Many years ago, Riley Knight completed a degree in history. This proved to be a bad move, as it was absolutely useless for him. Until now, here's some half-assed history. What's going on, mate? Great to have you along for some more half-assed history. This week on the agenda, we're going to be having a chat about a woman named Black Agnes, who was a Scottish noblewoman who led the defence of Dunbar Castle in 1338. Now, this was during the the Second War of Scottish Independence, the hotly anticipated sequel to the first when Scotland was fighting. No prizes for guessing who they were fighting. They were, of course, fighting the English, obviously. I mean, who, who who else was it ever going to be? Anyway, so... The English, right? They advanced on Dunbar Castle in early uh, in early 1338, while the Earl of Dunbar was away. And Agnes rose uh, rose to the occasion magnificently. Some of the stories that emerged from this siege are absolutely incredible. They're so funny. She took the piss out of the English like only a Scot can. She used a very entertaining mixture of, of mockery and trickery and tomfoolery. The whole thing, the whole thing comes off like a bloody Will Ferrell film. To be honest, it's uh, it, it's quite it's quite remarkable. While I'm sure you know the nearly. 700 years since it happened has, has meant that some of it has, I don't know, been maybe a little bit exaggerated. For the most part, it's all historically verifiable. And, and you know, most of what I'm going to tell you is we're almost certain it happened. Again, there may have been a couple little sort of, you know, a bit, a bit of spit and shine on some of the stories that are make them a little bit better. But broadly speaking, what, what we're going to discuss here uh, is verified as historically accurate and, and actually did happen. And the reason I'm being so, you know, sort of mentioning this, giving you this sort of like little disclaimer here is when, when you hear it, it honestly, a lot of it sounds made up. A lot of it sounds like a, uh, you know, a medieval disaster comedy. Uh, because it is, it's just so funny, the sort of stuff that she got up to. Anyway, we're going to get across it all today from Go to Woe, have a good old giggle about some of the stuff that old mate Black Agnes got up to while uh, engaging in, in, in Scotland's national pastime, of course, humiliating the English. So we're going all the way back here, all the way back to 1312, which is when Agnes was born, probably at least. This is our best guess, not 100% accurate. Uh, we don't have, sorry, exactly 100% accuracy on, on the date of her birth, but around 1312 is our best guess. In any case, yeah, wouldn't be too far off either way, so no worries there. Anyway, she was the daughter of a Scottish earl whose name was Thomas Randolph, and he was the nephew and good mate of the very famous Scottish king, who you probably heard of, Robert the Bruce. Now, Robert the Bruce was king during the First War of Scottish Independence, which saw, obviously, the Scottish beat the English and maintain their independence, of course. But he died in 1329 before the sequel came out, and uh, his son and heir, David, who grew up to be David II, uh, was too young to take the throne. So Thomas Randolph, the, uh, Agnes's dad, became the regent uh, in, uh, for a while there as the Second War began in, in, until the Second World, uh, the Second War began in 1332, also the year in which he died. Uh, and it didn't stop there either, the sort of uh, the, the Randolph's association with the high and mighty in Scotland, because uh, her brother John became the joint regent of Scotland in 1335 until he was captured by the English and held in the Tower of London. So remember him, he'll be important later on. But the point to take away here is that our mate Agnes, she's a proper highborn lady from a proper old Scottish family. She's rubbing shoulders with the rich and powerful over there in, uh, in 14th century Scotland. And as the daughter of an earl, you won't be surprised to learn that she married someone befitting of her rank in 1324, a, a bloke named Patrick, who was also an earl himself. He was the ninth Earl of March. 
And apparently, however, apparently after these two shacked up, there was a bit of the old marital tension between these two after, uh, well, a couple of decisions that Patrick made when it came to his relationship with the English. He ruled Berwick, which is today right on the border between uh, England and Scotland, but it fell to the English. It was part of Scotland at the time, but it fell in 1333, just after the Second War of Scottish Independence had begun. It fell to the English, and Patrick, he switched sides, and he started fighting for the English. Can you believe it? This traitorous swine, all of a sudden, turning around and fighting for the sworn enemy of the Scottish people. Now, as a red-blooded Scotswoman, you can imagine that Agnes didn't like this. Her old man used to be the regent, uh, you know, bloody mates with Robert the Bruce, and now her husband has turned into this bloody tea-sipping pommy bastard with bad teeth and everything like that. However... There's a bit of a twist coming up here from old Patrick because after he and a couple of other Scottish lords swore uh, swore fealty to Edward III, the English king, he then used English resources to re-fortify and resupply his land, strengthen them against, well, you know, conceivably against the Scottish who he'd be then uh, who'd be then fighting, and this included the refortification of Dunbar Castle, which is just on the coast, uh, just east of Edinburgh. It's still there today, in ruins, obviously, but you can still go and visit it today. But with this done, you know, with this new resupply, this, you know, this injection of, of cash and resources from the English, Patrick then, as soon as it was finished, he switched sides again, turns right back around and went back to the Scottish with his newly fortified castle, his new, you know, all of these new resources that have been given to him by uh, Edward the uh, Edward the Third. He's turned around now and he's he's ready to, you know, start fighting for uh, for the Scottish once again. So I mean, I don't know if that was, you know, his, his plan all along. I don't know if, if he was trying to bamboozle the English from the get go, but I will tell you what, he certainly knew how to uh, certainly knew how to read a situation there. So he's now after having done this, after having uh, you know bloody turned his coat inside out twice here. Patrick then starts cutting about Scotland, fighting off the English. And uh, look, you know, maybe Agnes had something to do with this. Maybe Agnes gave him a bit of a tongue lashing and helped him to see the error of his ways. But whatever it was, right, Patrick is off, he's fighting for the Scottish, and he's, le- he's left Agnes back at home in Dunbar Castle. And this sets the scene for the Siege of Dunbar. So, while Earl Patrick was away, Black Agnes, she took charge of Dunbar Castle. I should mention, actually, hang on, I haven't, I haven't addressed the fact why she's called Black Agnes. She was called Black Agnes because she had black hair and her skin was a little bit darker than most Scots. It was this uh, sort of olive-type complexion. You might think that's not unusual enough to warrant a nickname, but, you know, don't forget we're talking about a Scot here. I mean, I live in Scotland, and, mate, I can't leave the house without my sonnies because of how blindingly pasty most Scots are. One of my mates, a bloke named Adam, he's known uh, to many of us as Creamy Daddy because of... (laughs) That's not a joke, by the way. That's not a joke. He's known as Creamy Daddy because of how, uh, well, as the Scots say, how peely wally he is. Um, on top of that, Scotland has the highest uh, incident per incidence per capita of red-headedness. 13% of the population are minging gingers, poor bastards there. So Black Agnes, she didn't look like the typical Scot with her black hair and her olive skin. Not the most inventive nickname you'd think, but then again, political correctness wasn't as big a thing in the 14th century as well. So anyway... As I say, Agnes, she's running things while Patrick is off fighting English, and there's nothing unusual about this. Generally, a lord's wife would oversee the running of his home while he was off and away at this uh, this point in history here. Uh, but this also sometimes meant overseeing not just the sort of hustle and bustle and the usual affairs of, uh, you know, a, a, of day-to-day castle life. It also meant overseeing the defence of a castle if it were ever besieged. And this is exactly what happens on the 13th of January in 1338. A very famous bloke named William de Montague, the second Earl of Salisbury, he rocked up with a great big army and demanded the immediate surrender of Dunbar Castle. But... 
our mate Agnes, she's not going to let some jumped-up Englishman tell her what to do, is she? Even if this jumped-up Englishman is widely considered to be uh, one of the best military commanders on earth, who would, you know, go on to be a founding member of the Order of the Garter, and rather more pressingly, even if this jumped-up Englishman also has 20,000 troops behind him. No, none of that. None of that is relevant here, because Agnes, despite only having a small number of castle guards alongside her servants and the rest of the castle staff, she is undeterred. She stood her ground. In response to William's demands of surrender, Agnes made a famous pronouncement that I have arranged to have read by a real life, a great personal cost, I might add, a real live Scotswoman, an actual Scotswoman, will read this pronouncement out to you now. Of Scotland's king I hoard my house, I pay him meat and fee, and I will keep my good old house, while my house will keep me. And with this fierce declaration defying the will of the invaders, Agnes made it clear to the English that she would defend the castle to the last, and that the only way they would be uh, would, would he ever be able to seize it was by attacking, and so... That's just what the English did. They set up their siege equipment, their catapults, whatever else, and they began to bombard the castle with these great, big, enormous rocks. A merciless bombardment it was, these rocks flying in uh, night and day here. And here's where Agnes's piss-taking properly began. To show the English just what she thought of her castle, having these great big boulders flung in it, guess what Agnes did? She got her ladies in waiting together and she said, come here, girls, listen, go, you go and put on your best clothes, right? You go and get your hankies, go and get your bloody cleaning equipment, whatever it is, your dusters, your mops and your buckets, right? And I want you to go up to the castle ramparts and I want you to use them frilly white bloody handkerchiefs that you've got to pretend to dust and polish the damage that the siege engines had done. Imagine this, the attacking English army, they are hurling colossal stones at this castle, attempting to, you know, cow and frighten the Scots into surrender. And Agnes's response was to send out her servants as though they were doing a bit of cleaning, just, you know, cleaning up, a, you know, something like a broken plate, doing a bit of dusting for good measure. Talk about a bloody power move. Look, oh, look at this bloody mess you've made, you English idiots. Now have to clean it up. What a pain in the ass. Bloody hell. Making such a small thing, making it seem like it was so trivial. Again, like they'd, you know, just made a mess on the floor and now the ladies in waiting had to clean it up. Imagine that. How, what, I mean, what a piss take from Agnes. Unbelievable. But that was just the beginning. Strap yourselves in because there is plenty more where this came from. The catapults were just a warm-up act when it came to the English siege engines. This was just, you know, sort of get the party started here for the English. Earl William now, as the, for, the, uh, for the main course, for, the, uh, for, the, for, the, for the, uh, the piste de resistance, he brings out, he rolls out an enormous siege tower, complete with battering ram. It was known as the Sow. Uh, this huge ram, it was protected from arrow fire from above with a thick wooden roof, uh, which enabled the soldiers to safely roll all the way up to the castle. The English, they pushed this colossal tower right up to the walls of Dunbar Castle, and they were ready to use the ram to break a hole through its defences. However, Agnes came up with a quick contingency plan. She realised once the sow roll was rolling towards the, uh, the, the castle that she needed to act quickly. And uh, so she came up with a solution that, uh, well, look, it made up for a lack of elegance with its uh, remarkable efficacy. She had one of the big boulders with which the English had, you know, been so kind enough to provide her. Uh, she had one of them rolled along the ramparts right above the sow, right above this enormous big uh, siege engine, big uh, siege tower there. And she then ordered the boulder, as the, as the siege tower was setting up, she then ordered the boulder to be returned to sender. 
and it was duly dropped right on top of the sow, crushing the tower, destroying the ram. The pinnacle of siege technology handily defeated by the time-honoured combination of the laws of physics and a big rock. A big rock, which I will remind you that the English gave to her. She was just giving it back to them. I mean, it's only polite. It's only polite to do something like that, isn't it? Anyway, with traditional siege warfare having had no effect so far and the castle still far too defensible to an attempt to attempt a direct attack, Earl William now, he begins to look for other ways to capture Dunbar Castle. He ended up turning to subterfuge. He hatched a cunning plan to gain access to the castle via treachery. So one day, Earl William, he approached the guard at the castle's main entrance, you know, great big bloody portcullis, whatever else, and he gets the guard's attention. He says, listen here, mate, must be bloody boring that castle all day, nothing to do, food going to run out, eh? Hey, you know, what's, what's going on in there? And the guard goes, mate, what do you want? Get out of here, English bastard. I'm not going to listen to your nonsense. Get out of here. not interested in anything you're going to say. And when he goes, no, 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 mate, listen, listen to this. You'll like this. Check it out. I'll pay you, all right? I'll pay you like 10, go- 10 gold? No, that's d um, I don't know. What, what, what do we use for money these days? Shillings or something? Whatever. Anyway, the point is I'll give you a whack of cold hard cash if you leave the gate open for me and my boys, right, to come through. How about that? And so the guard is a, think- a bit of a think about this. But then he goes, all right, yeah, listen, mate. All right, I'll do it. No worries. I'll open it up for you, whatever. And you blokes can sneak in. That's fine. I don't, I don't even care. And William goes, oh, bugger, really? Jeez, well, that, that was easy. Well, here's your 30 pieces of silver, bloody Judas. But thanks very much. Big help. God save the king and all that. And the guard goes, mate, are you still are you, are you still you still talking? You still here? I mean, tell your story, walking. What are you doing? I'll, just because I'm opening the gate, she doesn't mean we're mates. Get out of here, English prick. And so uh, you know, off William goes. Oh, sorry, sorry, mate. Sorry, I'll get I'll get out of your hair. But he's very happy with himself because now he's secured a way into the castle. Easy game. He reckons this one's going to be uh, you know all over Red Rover very very quickly indeed. However, the guard has no intention of betraying the castle whatsoever. He's just fleeced he's just fleeced the Earl for however much money was given to him, right? He's just taken the just nicked the money off him. And then he goes straight to Agnes to tell her what's happened. And so she hears the English plan. She goes, Alright, yeah, now look, no worries. This is great. Thanks for telling me this, because we can beat them at their own game. This is going to be bloody brilliant. Check this out. She gathers all of her staff, all of the soldiers, all the all the servants together, and she tells them the plan. And then she waits for the English to make their move. So the guard he goes off at the appointed time and he opens the portcullis just as, he's, uh, as he'd arranged with the Earl. And Earl William, he sees this, he goes, bloody hell, can't believe my luck, this is brilliant, I'm going to have to capture this stupid castle by dinner time, no worries at all. He gathers the troops, he personally leads them up to the castle for the attack, marching right at the front of this big procession, and his soldiers getting very excited, they can sense victory on the wind, they can smell it on in the air, they're very excited about this whole affair, so excited, in fact, that as they approach the entrance, one of them breaks ranks and rushes into the castle ahead of all the rest of them. And as soon as this soldier crosses past the portcullis, bam, down it comes, trapping that lone English soldier inside the castle with all the Scots. Agnes then appeared at the top of the ramparts to have a good old laugh at the English for having fallen for for a trap there. Even if it didn't work 100% as she'd planned, she'd obviously hoped to trap the Earl himself rather than just a common soldier, but she'd still pulled the English's pants down and she was going to make sure that they bloody well knew it. So she yells down to William and the troops and this is what she says. She says, Farewell, Montague. I intended that you should have supped with us and assisted us in defending the castle against the English. So the Scots, they have a great big laugh at this. While William, he turns around, he stomps back to the big, you know, the English camps. He's seething with rage. He's been bloody, he's been humiliated in front of all of his soldiers. He's absolutely embarrassed. Red as a beetroot he is. But he realises, Earl William, he now realises 
that he has to bring in the, bring in the big guns here. Well, in, in a figurative sense, big guns at this point, not really a, you know, a thing, technologically speaking, especially not in this part of the world. But he realizes that now, he, you know, he, he's got to raise the stakes here. So he organizes for a certain prisoner of the English to be brought to Dunbar Castle and to be used as leverage. This prisoner was duly transported to William, who put a rope around his neck before bringing him out in plain view of the castle and yelling for Agnes to come out and see what was going on. And Agnes, she pops her head over the ramparts. And she says, oh, g'day, William, old mate. How are you getting on down there, old son? What's going on? And William, he reveals his prisoner, who, as you might have already guessed, is, of course, John Randolph, the, uh, Agnes's brother, the bloke who, I'd, uh, who I, I told you remember before. He'd been captured by the English in 1335. He'd been in prison in the Tower of London, and he was brought up here to be used now as leverage against his, against his sister Agnes. So William, he calls up to Agnes. He says, listen, mate, you've buggerized around with this castle business long enough, but now we are playing for keeps. You better bloody surrender, or I'm going to hang your brother right here and right now in front of you. Don't you bloody think that I won't. And Agnes, she goes, oh, all right, well... I mean, would you? That's, I mean, you'd be doing me, you'd be doing me a big favour. That'd be bloody excellent if you do that for me. Thanks very much, William, mate. That, that, that'd be one. That'd be, that'd be really good. It'd be wonderful. And William goes, hang on, what? what? What are you talking about? This bloke's your brother, isn't he? You don't want me to kill him. What, what, what are you talking about? And Agnes goes, oh, yeah, nah, mate, look, listen, it'd be great if you, if you, if you knocked him off because he's the Earl of Moray since, since our old man died. He inherited the titles and he's got no kids of his own. So if you kill him, I'll inherit those titles. and Bloody brilliant. That'd be fantastic. And William, who is stunned with disbelief, he goes, mate, you, you, you can't be serious. This bloke's your brother. Come on. Oh, you don't want him dead. Just give me the castle and, you know, we can all walk away. I've just, I've had him brought all the way up from London for, for you know, bloody hell. I've done all this effort and you're just going to say I should kill him. And Agnes goes, mate, it's all good. Honestly, I've always wanted an earldom all of my own. So you just off him nice and quick and, and you know, guess who's the next Countess of Moray? That's right. It's me. Check me out up here. So she's called William's bluff, and he's revealed, he, after this, he's revealed to be a total codfish because he doesn't execute John. She, he, he is far too valuable a prisoner to be killed just like that as, as, as the former regent, as, you know, a, a huge, big, uh, a very important, uh, you know, nobleman, an earl in, 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 the Scottish, uh, in the Scottish kingdom there. And uh, so he doesn't execute him, doesn't execute him, and a bloody good thing too, because Agnes was lying through her teeth. As a woman, she wasn't in the line of succession for the earldom, so she was sailing bloody close to the wind there, or maybe she just really didn't like her brother, who knows? I mean, look, I honestly don't know what my sister would do in, in the same situation. You know, if she, if she told some bloke to hang me, I'd probably deserve it, you know, if she did the same, because, you know, with how much me and my brother teased her when we were kids, I probably deserve it. Anyway, William. He's now been embarrassed in battle. He's now been embarrassed in subterfuge. He's now been embarrassed while trying to use a prisoner as leverage. Everything. At every turn, Agnes has been one step ahead, pulling his pants down, giving him a red bloody face. Black Agnes been running rings around him, humiliating him, all the Scottish guards, all the servants, having a great big bloody laugh at his expense. Brilliant. So, William, therefore, he decides he's had enough of this fancy uh, fancy business. He's, he's had enough buggering around with, you know, clever plans and, uh, and, and secret tricks and whatever else. So he decides to go back to the most basic principle of siege warfare. Just bloody sitting on your dot and waiting for them to run out of food. So the English forces, they cut off, they cut off all the roads to the castle. 
Uh, and you'll remember that it was on the coast. So it's ringed in on one side by the English and it's surrounded on the other by the sea. So there's no way out for the people stuck in Dunbar Castle. And at this point, winter is coming to an end and we're heading into spring. So William was confident that the castle's winter supplies would run out sooner rather than later. And without any fresh, uh, fresh stocks, fresh supplies like that, they would of course starve and then be compelled to surrender. The siege became a very long and very protracted affair. It went on, dragged on for months here. But William, he was determined to wait out the defenders until they surrendered. And so he waited and he waited and he waited. And then one day, the story goes, one day he was, the, he was told that he'd fi- there'd finally been a message. He'd been sent a message from Agnes in Dunbar Castle. And he is stoked as anything. He goes, this must be it. This must be it. It's been months. They're finally going to surrender. They're going to give up the castle. They're running to food. They're going to starve. And I've, I've bloody won it. I've done it. Get around me. What a champion. So he rushes out to find out what this message is and is presented with not a notice of surrender, not a capitulation from the Scottish. Instead, he is presented with a freshly baked loaf of bread and a bottle of fine wine. Compliments of Black Agnes. Once again, he's had his pants pulled down by the Scottish. He's been absolutely humiliated. How were these besieged Scots bereft of supplies? How were they baking bread and drinking wine? Well, it turns out that they weren't so bereft of supplies after all, because a bloke named Ramsay of Dalhousie, he had caught wind of the siege of Dunbar. He'd heard what the English were up to. And because one of his favourite things on earth to do was wind up the English, he organised a relief effort. Uh, you know, for the, for the best reason possible as well. Just pissing off the English. Fantastic. Ramsay had got 40 blokes together in Edinburgh. And he got a boat, he got a ship, and he sailed to Dunbar with a great big stack of supplies that he then snuck in by a sea-facing uh, facing postern gate that was half-submerged, uh, you know, back where the English couldn't see it. And better yet, after this message was delivered, after the people in the castle had been refueled and resupplied, he and his men, after this message had been sent out teasing them with the bread and the wine... He and his men charged out of the front gate and drove the English sentries off. The, 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 you know, the sentries who had been watching the castle drove them all the way back to the English war camp. So now the castle had been resupplied, reinforced, and once again, Earl William had suffered a bitter humiliation at the hands of the Scots. And this, as it turned out, was the final straw for William and the English because... After a siege that had lasted five months, after being embarrassed by ladies-in-waiting and their frilly handkerchiefs cleaning up the mess that he made with the catapults, after, after having a, a rock that he himself chucked at them dropped on, this, uh, on his siege tower like that, after, after the bloke that he tried to bribe, you know, just fleecing him of his money and then, and then setting this trap with the help of Agnes there, after the prisoner that he'd brought in as leverage all the way from the Tower of London had been sent back on his heels, laughing in his face there like that, and then finally a loaf of bread and a bottle of wine proving that the Scots were not being, uh, not being as, as starved out after all. After all of this, he had finally had enough. Black Agnes had outfoxed William de Montague and the English at every turn, and she had successfully defended her castle from an overwhelmingly huge force. 20,000 soldiers had laid siege to Dunbar Castle, and she'd beaten them with some frilly handkerchiefs 
and a loaf of bread. The English, they limped off with their heads hung low while Agnes and her Scots, they celebrated an incredible and extremely entertaining victory. What a win for them. And that wasn't where it ended for the Scots in the uh, in the Second War of Scottish Independence, of course, because they went on to win the whole bloody thing in 1357. Although, of course, the two countries would end up in a personal union under James VI and I and then merge into a single country, Great Britain, in 1707. And while the Siege of Dunbar wasn't the most important battle in the Second uh, War of Scottish Independence, it was definitely one of the funniest. And it typified the relationship between the English and the Scottish and, you know, we can talk about personal unions, we can talk about mergers and, uh, and acts of union and, and, and the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. But I tell you what, there is something that hasn't changed in the near 700 years since the Siege of Dunbar. This relationship between the English and the Scottish is a relationship that exists, in my experience, to this very day. Scots, in the 21st century, they still bloody love getting one over on the English and making them look like fools wherever they can. So, while defending Dunbar Castle, Black Agnes acted in the proudest traditions of her people, tormenting and humiliating the English at every turn. But that's it. That's all she wrote today, sports fans. That is the story of Black Agnes and the Siege of Dunbar. And I'll tell you what, I wouldn't be surprised to see this turn into some, you know, ridiculous, stupid disaster film in in Hollywood because it is just so funny. It's what, you know, truth is stranger than fiction sometimes. And the, the stuff that she got up to is just absolutely brilliant. I mean, you know, the, 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 the winning a siege is, is quite an achievement, but doing it while absolutely, absolutely thrashing and humiliating your opponents is, uh, is, one, is another thing altogether. Anyway, that is that for this week. As I say, all the boring housekeeping stuff coming your way right here, right now. If you're the sort of person who tunes out at this point, thank you very much. See you later. <laughs> See you next week, I guess. But if you're the sort of person who sticks through all this, well, you're, you're my very, very favourite type of listener. So thank you so much. Halfhousehistory.net, of course. Nothing's changed there. Uh, that's the website, all the old episodes. You can also find links to subscribe to the show. If you don't mind jumping onto iTunes and leaving me a review, that'd be uh, you'd be doing me a big favour there like that. Also, tell your mates. Tell your mates about the show. I've noticed the stats have started to plateau a little bit. We had a big, big uh, sort of couple of months of growth at the end of 2019, but things have calmed down a little bit. Want to keep that momentum going, so please do share the good word of half-assed history. Prove to your mates that, uh, that history isn't all bloody boring, stuffy old uh, professors with patches on their elbows or that sort of stuff. It can be, uh, can be a good laugh, as Black Agnes showed us. Um, and so if you want to mention the show on Twitter or anything else, I'd, I'd very much appreciate it. So, uh, yeah, cheers, uh, cheers for the people who are spreading, again, spreading the good word of half-assed history. If you want to spread the good word of half-assed history by giving me money for uh, articles of clothing or other objects with the logos and, uh, and, and words of the show on it, you can go to bigcartel.com uh, or is it bigcartel.com slash half-assed history? I don't know. You'll figure it out. There's a link at halfhousehistory.net anyway, so just follow that. And you can buy T-shirts, magnets. Uh, you can buy uh, notebooks, all sorts of stuff there as well if you want that. Free ship- shipping on all orders, of course. Um, and finally, if you want to give me money but want something less tangible in uh, in exchange for it, well, thank you very much. You can join the other suckers on Patreon. Oh, sorry, the other exalted and, and greatly appreciated Patreon supporters that I have. Thank you so much to all of them. Giving me, giving me money each week, uh, each month, I should say, for this stupid podcast. A range of benefits there. Early access to shows. Uncut episodes. You're going to be burp and fart to your heart's content. Uh, in addition to, of course, the chance of becoming a uh, 
an executive producer of the show. If you stick around long enough, you'll get those business cards sent to you. No worries at all. But that is that, as I say. Special thank you guys to all the Patreon supporters and, of course, to all the people listening as well. Thank you so much. I appreciate you all equally. I just appreciate some a little more equally than others. We're going to close the quest, uh, close the, uh, the show out, as usual, with a question posed on Reddit. This one isn't specifically about Scotland or about England or about the War of Independence or anything else there like that, but it is about the Middle Ages, and it really, really did tickle me. It is from, uh, it is from uh, Reddit historian and then some who asks, what were air shows like in the Middle Ages? Uh, 